Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. We are back with Philip A. Greenberg, our legal professional of the year. Yes, the owner of his own company. Isn't it dirty? Based out of New York, New York, we want to congratulate him again on the feat of becoming the legal professional of the year. And this is a man that is a hard worker and always on the move, like today. Right, Philip? Uh, anything you say, Jill. I'm a married man, so I'm used to saying yes to anything any woman says. You are so cute. Yeah, he's adorable. He's yeah. got some physical therapy. He's walking around. He's just on the move. And we're excited to have him back here today. So for new time listeners, Philip, talk to us about yourself. Not a, you know, not too hard to do, right? Tell us what you do. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it all started in 1944 in 30 North Africa, when my parents met. You want me to go back that far, or is that too far, Jill? Hey, you can. You, you want to? Go for it. Whatever you want to talk about. It's your show. My show. It's actually your show, too. But okay. I, I won't, you know, I won't stay in the cinema. So anyway, long story short, uh, they got married and had me. So I uh, figured I'd at least fast forward you to my birth. And uh, anyway, born and raised in Brooklyn. Hi, guys. Born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, and, um, as I told you, um, at the ripe old age of 12, I decided to be a lawyer. Actually, um, we've talked about this before, but maybe I could tell you why Abe Lincoln became my, uh, my role model and resulted in my being a lawyer. Is that okay, Jill? Jill, are we still together? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? I, you couldn't hear me. I was saying hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jill, I'm sorry. Can no, it's okay. Me? Okay, we're okay. Okay, so I was. Uh, we had previously talked about how at the ripe old age of 12, <laughs> I decided to be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and I stayed with that idea, whether or not it was a good idea, I stayed with it. Um, and I think it's a good idea. Team. You've been quite successful, but go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll you keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, my late mother never gave up on the hope of me being a doctor, but okay, put that aside for the moment. Um, so what led me to it, and it's amazing, see, Jill, you're young, so you're still young, so you know, you're kind of. I'm, I'm 45. I'm not that young. But okay, whatever you say. Whatever you say. I'll go with yeah, that. Yeah, you're young compared to me. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, just uh, 120 seconds and how Abe Lincoln became my role model. I feel there's nothing unusual that uh, Abe Lincoln is somebody's role model. Um, but it, it really goes back to when I was in the second grade. And uh, my girlfriend, Esther Kaplow, I have no idea where she is now, um, her mother, Mrs. Kaplow, gave me a puzzle of all the presidents of the United States from George Washington to oh President Eisenhower. Yeah, for Hanukkah. And the following year was the presidential year, 1956, and Eisenhower was running for re-election against Stevenson again. And I didn't want my puzzle to be dated. So I was the only Republican in the neighborhood. Because I was only eight, so I didn't get a vote. But I was the only Republican in the neighborhood. 
and I stayed a Republican until I was 17. So being a Republican, and if you remember, Lincoln was actually the first Republican president, and uh, he called law into politics, and so at the age of 12, I decided, you know what, I'm going to be like Abe Lincoln. Even though I really wanted to be an actor, not a lawyer, but I was interested in law, and I wanted to follow in footsteps and be a statesman, and that's how it And I never turned back, never looked back to it. Well, and you, you, so, you, I'm assuming you lost, lost touch with this woman and her family? Uh, she was my girlfriend when I was seven, Jill. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever caught up to tell her all the influence she's had. So, you know what? You you may be sorry you asked that question. Uh, Fast forward to my junior year in college, which was quite a few years later. Um, She was a genius, by the way. Besides being pretty, she also was a genius. So she skipped a grade. So she was a senior when I was a junior in college. I ran into her when I was running for student body president at Brooklyn College. And she hadn't changed. Jill, you know how it is like some people, and if I start to bore you, just tell me I'll send you something. But um, you know how some people like the next month, they look different, you don't recognize them, and other people, 15 years later, they haven't changed. It's just amazing. So I hadn't seen her since she was nine, and now at this point she's 20. And she looked exactly the same. I said, you're absolutely capital, aren't you? She said, yes. I said, well, you've got to vote for me. (laughs) What? (laughs) Because I was your boyfriend when we were in the second grade. Oh, she said, well, if you were my boyfriend in the second grade, I guess I do have to vote. So, yeah, um, uh, I I didn't stay in touch with her exactly, but she did show up in my life again, at least long enough, assuming she told the truth to deliver the ballot. But um, I actually won the election by a lot more than one vote anyway. So, uh, so anyway, so that's how I decided on law. And basically, uh, and I, I realize you have all kind of listeners, some young, some old, some students, some still trying to decide what to do. Um, I never looked back. So from the age of 12, I was fixated on becoming a lawyer. Um, again, this Part of this dates me because you're so much younger than me, Jill. But uh, Brooklyn College was still tuition-free in, in my day, and it was the best college. It was such a good college. And again, if, please, please, Jill, if I start the board, please tell me, okay? Jill! You are too funny. You are just yeah, a I'm character. You can just, we could just sit here and talk I'm, about... Life. I love it. I love it. The second grade girlfriend. You run into her again in junior college. By the way, I didn't know you were so vocal. So hold on. So did you ever win that year, by the way? Did she vote for you? And did you win? I don't know if she voted for me, but I won. And actually, um, I won again. And maybe this is part of my DNA, even though it's so long ago. I ran against French student parties. I ran as an independent. So I was like the Bernie Sanders of Brooklyn College running as an independent on a populist platform, and I unseated entrenched student parties to be elected student body president. So, because uh, that's 
the DNA of a good lawyer is you don't care. Everyone told me you can't win. And the DNA of a good lawyer is you don't care what anyone else says. So, um, are you still with me, Jill? I am. You gotta, yeah, you're okay. living your own life. Don't listen to anyone else. Okay. Bless you. Bless you. So, anyway, so I decided in Brooklyn College because it was the best city university. I was thought to get into it. It wasn't a slam dunk, but I, I dedicated myself to getting in. It was the hardest city university to get into, and it was the the standards to get into Brooklyn College was so high that it was higher than most of the private schools. Um, so I went to Brooklyn College because I didn't want my family to spend any money on my college education so that they'd save their money for law school and I then went to NYU Law School, which at the time was the most ex- highest tuition, maybe still as high as tuition law school in the country. Um, and that's it. So I'm class of 73 at NYU Law School, and um, I've been practicing over 49 years, and I always work with small firms, and uh, maybe in subsequent shows I can talk about, because I had a zillion cases and a zillion matters that I've done, um, but I've always worked with small firms, worked for small firms, and in 2000, my wife um, really started pushing me to go out as a solo practitioner, which I did, and I've been a solo since then. I share a suite with two of my former law partners, and I have a couple of other lawyers who counsel to my firm who help me to you know, manage my part. My, in fact, one of them is, is right here now working hard. He was happy when he saw me walk in the door. He didn't realize I was on the phone with you, so I can't work with him for the moment. Um, and that's it. So I'm located at 34th and Park, two blocks from the Empire State Building. Um, very conveniently located for those of your listeners who live in New York and New Jersey. I practice. Great location, States. by the way. How many years have you been at that location? Uh, this is what's scary about it, Jill. Everything with me is a story. I do not got a single. So what scares me is I keep thinking like we just moved here, and then I realize. We've been here since October 06. So we're coming up to our 17th anniversary here. Um, and the thing is, is that for me, it's very convenient because my apartment is in the same building as my office. My apartment is a 27. My office is on the second floor. And the irony is that the other two lawyers who work with me uh, are, live in Merrick, Long Island. So they have a schlep both ways. Uh, they were the ones who decided we should move here, although my wife convinced them. And um, they're the ones who push me each time to renew our lease. So I'm the one with the tele- elevator ride to work every day. <laughs> with a car and a train and then a walk or a bus, and they're the ones who push me to renew. It's, it's, yeah, it's a great location. It's a great building. It's a residential building except for the second floor. Um, 24-hour-a-day building, um, and sometimes clients will drop off papers for me in the middle of the night. So when I'm going out to the gym at 5.15 in the morning, uh, the concierge will say, hey, you know, one of your clients dropped this by. If I'm lucky, it's a check that they drop by. But uh, more often it's just new work or something they need me to work on. And at 2 a.m. in the morning, why not? They drop it off at their lawyer's office. Um, so the location is great. 
Um, and the last time I was, and this is not an exaggeration, Joe. Um, the last time I was out sick literally was before you were born because it was the beginning of the second Eisenhower administration. It was the last time I was out sick. So um, I've had perfect attendance um, since the middle of the fourth grade. So I, people can really count on me. That's a, you know, it's, it's, I know that's very self-serving, Joe, <laughs> but uh, at least in terms of me being here, um, can, can I ask? I, I know you've been at that location for 17 years, but where were you on uh, September 11th? Were you in New York City at the time as well? Okay. Um, I think I'm glad you asked me that. Um, so I was, my office time was at the Empire State Building. And um, I was on my way, I was on a train to White Plains. I don't know if all your listeners are from New York. So White Plains is in, um, take a minute. White Plains is in, are you still with me, Jill? Yes, I hear it. You can take the call if you need. Good. No, no, I don't. It's, it's from Steve Steinman, believe it or not. Yeah, so I wonder why he's, I thought he might be calling to tell me you're bombing. <laughs> no, no. So, I'm sorry about that, but the person who's calling isn't connected with Jill. So, as I say, hopefully... Yeah, I, I, as I said, I was afraid he was calling to tell me I'm bombing on the phone to do something. Oh, no, you're doing great but, uh, stuff. Okay, all right. So, uh, okay, 911. Okay, so I was on a train uh, in Westchester, New York, going to White Plains to take depositions in the divorce case. And I'm sitting on the train going through my... Pa- I had a very heavy litigation bag with me. And I'm sitting on the train going through my papers. And the conductor, who was kind of like a kooky guy, is walking through and he said, a plane just crashed into the World Trade Center. So, first of all, he was kind of a kook, so I wasn't sure it really happened. And second, and this is even before I was born, um, I think it was in the 1930s, don't hold me to it, a private plane crashed into the Empire State Building. And so I figured it must be, in fact, like the people around me said, yeah, it must have been like Empire State Building 40 years ago, whatever it was, 50 years ago. It must have been a private plane. I went back to what I was doing as I'm walking off the plane. Uh, walking off the plane, that's, that's Freudian. As I'm walking off the train, someone said to me, um, a second plane just hit the World Trade Center. And my depositions wound up getting busted because of that. And um, long story short, every all, all the trains were down. So uh, my client drove me to the edge of a bridge. I, I My litigation bag, it was like a fraternity hazing. Because I was carrying a litigation bag that might have been 40 pounds. I had to carry it across the bridge, walk for about 40 blocks before I was finally able to get a cab. And then the cab only took me part of the way. And then when I finally got back to the Empire State Building, they closed the Empire State Building because they were afraid it was going to be a target. So, um, yeah. So that was, yeah. So that's that's my 911. Oh, one other part, if you don't mind my adding. Um, My old office at the Empire State Building had an absolutely clear picture 
larger window to the World Trade Center. So the other people in my office, they, I'm sure you've seen the film many, many times where the, the plane hitting the World Trade Center, they saw it in real time from my window. Oh, how sad. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's it. And and one of the things that most people don't know about it, I, I know we just had the anniversary on Monday. One, people, one thing that people don't know about it is that for at least a couple of weeks afterwards, smoke was still coming up from there. Because my office, again, remember, my corner office had absolutely, I could see where the World Trade, it was so depressing that now whenever I looked out that window, instead of seeing the World Trade Center, I was seeing smoke coming up from where the World Trade Center had been. And um, anyway, I've, I've got all this, but uh, yeah. So, um, can, I, I don't know how much time I have, but can I kind of segue, since you asked me about the World Trade Center, just to show you sure. how, in law practice, you never know what the, uh, I don't Absolutely. You, 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 don't have a crystal, you don't have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you wind up fighting over things that turn out not to be important because you don't have a crystal ball. So, um, I once negotiated a lease, um, I, I still do some work for Japanese companies. In the past, I did a lot of work for So I was representing a Japanese bank that was renewing its lease. And I spent so much time negotiating with the other lawyer over in case they would want my client's space because they weren't taking a big space, that they would move them to another part of the building and, you know, that they'd have a right to cancel if they did that and it would be comparable space and the same rent and... I just can't tell you how much time you spent. I promise there's a good point to this. So, anyway, we did it. If you were at work, yeah, 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 or what happens if, you know, you want the space. That lease went into effect September 1, 2001 at the World Trade Center, 10 days before 9-1-1. And my people were on a high floor when the plane, one of the planes hit. Fortunately, they all got out safely. Um, and then, of course, I wound up negotiating a new lease for them. Um, but the point is, we spent so much time, because the last thing in our mind was that 10 days after this lease was signed, the World Trade Center wasn't going to be there. I mean, that wasn't you know, at all. So it's it just one of the things um, that, um, and maybe in future shows I could tell you where, uh, you negotiate out something, and the other side says, oh, that can't happen, and why are you making such a big deal? And it happened, and you're so glad that you provided for it. This is kind of the opposite. We spent so much time providing for a contingency that 10 days later wound up being a, a very cruel joke because the World Trade Center wasn't there anymore. Wow. Uh, how am I doing, Joe? You were doing I'm still great. worried that- no, yeah, I'm still worried. We got, that we, got five, we got five minutes left in the show, Philip. Thank you for always sharing something. Let's just remind everyone. Let's skip our commercial break today. Remind us of how we can reach yeah, you. Sure, appreciate that, Joe. Um, so, um, I'm as I said, I'm at 10 Park Avenue, at the corner of 34th and Park, um, in, in located conveniently in Manhattan. And by the way, to give myself to give a pitch for the location. It's walking distance to Grand Central Station, walking distance to Long Island Railroad. The subway is downstairs, and there's a parking, there's, 
the parking garages as nearby as across the street. And of course, in late hours or when I meet with clients on Sunday, they can park in front of the building. Um, so my website is www.philip, that's with one L, a greenberg.com, www.philipagreenberg.com. I'll give you a phone number and an email address. Um, I'm very responsive. Um, law, and it's lawman, L-A-W-M-A-N-802 at AOL.com. And my office phone number is 212-279-4550-212-279-4550. And I would be, you know, whenever I've been on television, I always get calls and... Um, I very much like marriage life following up with uh, people who've seen or heard me, either heard me on the radio like here or seen me on television. And actually, I've gotten some very good clients that way. So, uh, so uh, I, I think that's all my contact information, and I really would love to hear from your viewers and um, well, I know you and I, you, you and I are already starting to love each other, Jill, so we both think we're doing a great job, but <laughs> I'd be curious, to, I'd be curious to hear what, what your listeners think about it. So, uh, please, you know, feel free to reach out to me, um, and, um, you know, and of course, if you're looking for a lawyer who treats every client as the most important client, um, I'm your man. So... Anyway, anyway, where are we, Jill? That's beautiful. we got three minutes left. You're just such a kind soul, and it's a pleasure getting to know you and speaking to you again, our Legal Professional of the Year. Philip, uh, in the last few minutes together, how did you want to end up for today's show? And I love that you mention every client matters, and you give them the same amount of attention. That's You don't hear that often from attorneys, I'm going to be honest with you, right? And that's, sure. I think, kind of strays people away from certain attorneys because they don't have that personal one-on-one feel and that genuine care, which I clearly feel your compassion towards everyone, which is great. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, and not to be... Let me see, I only have a few seconds. There's... Um, there's a former president of the ADA, American Bar Association, and um, so I'm going to end with him because I think, and this is a pitch for lawyers, not for me necessarily. Um, he said that the two people in his life who best described what a lawyer was, what a lawyer does, one was his grandfather, who was a rabbi and had a very Talmudic Old Testament description of a lawyer thought that was really cool. And the other best description he ever heard of a lawyer was his 10-year-old son. When he was asked in school, what does a lawyer do? He said, quote, a lawyer helps me. So I've tried very hard to live up. I didn't really understand the Talmudic part, but I I always try to live up to what his 10-year-old son So there you go. Are we still together, Jill? We sure are. We got okay. another minute left on the clock. Go for it. Okay, Philip. so sure. So yeah, um, I'll give you my last two taglines. Sure. Um, one of them is um, that I am um, compassionate about people. I realize it's very self-serving, but um, I think it fairly describes the way I pre- practice law. 
I'm compassionate about people, and I'm passionate about the law. And usually at wedding season time, I say to people, um, if you don't have a prenuptial agreement, you don't need a lawyer. You need a psychiatrist. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's my tagline for today. And I think that takes you to the end of your show, Jill. I look forward to uh, the rest you. of the show. Bill, one more time. Tell us how we could reach you. Sure. Bless you. 212-279-4550 is the phone number. Email lawman802 at AOL.com. And the website is www.philipagreenberg.com. And uh, I really would welcome any comments, good, bad, or indifferent, about uh, our, our performance. And if you have any legal questions or whatever, I'd be more than happy to answer. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your week and thank you for sharing more of your story with us and congratulations again our legal professional of the year always a pleasure to have you here and you have a fantastic day okay you too thanks for everything Jill. thank you you too and to all yeah. of our listeners please stay tuned more is on the way Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn those earrings today. I like those earrings. Gabby has those awesome earrings. I need to ask her where she got those, but that's just what she would want me to do. I'll have Michaela ask her for me. Buckle up, Sarah. Yeah, but then Michaela will be like, why don't you just ask her yourself? That's just like Michaela. Sarah. Buckle up. Michaela's such a great name. I wish I was called Michaela. There's like a dozen Sarahs in my class. Hey, we're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah. Seatbelt. I forget sometimes because my brain is, like, busy, you know? I wonder if there's pizza at school today. Sometimes it can be tough to get through to your kids, but it's not impossible. Always make sure they're wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Remember, you have the keys, you have the power. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information.